Hello, and finally, finally, welcome back to Cast and Wax, the 101th episode. Uh, that is 101 episodes in. How long ago was the 100th episode? It was like six weeks ago. Why? What have I been doing in all this time? Well, okay, a lot. And we'll get into it in a minute, but I want to I wanna bring out our, our co-hosts so we, we can all discuss things. Uh, first of all, here's my, uh, my wonderful little cat, Mr. Scape White. How's it going? Going well, Scapey. And are things going well with you? Yes, things are going quite well with me. I've been just kind of chilling, like, double time because I haven't had to do a show. So I've just been like, oh, good, more time to relax. And work on your schoolwork. Well, uh, yeah, but mostly to relax because when I have to do the show, it's like extra work. Normal, I would just be like, I'm just going to sleep a bunch and eat some food, and, you know, deem- I fight demons and stuff like that, but I mostly get to relax, but when the show comes on, it's like, oh, God, I gotta do the show, blah, blah, blah. The show is what makes you famous, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I know, I know, and I thank you to all my fans for listening to my show, It's but, my show, actually. Well, I mean, yeah, our, our show, the show that I'm on, my show in that sense. Well, but it's, yeah, but, okay, but really my show. Well, for, okay, fine, your show, but thank you for listening, everybody. And I appreciate that, but I just also like to not do a show because then I could just be like, I'm going to do some more sweeping time. So you'd rather not do the show? You'd rather I, I take you off the show? No, I don't want you to take me off the show. I just want to sleep. Half the time during the show, you are asleep. Like, I put on the sh- the, 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 the cereals and stuff, and you just take a nap. Yeah, that part's the best part of the show. Better than the part where you sing? Well, no. That's a, okay. That part is the second best part. So it's better than when you're talking? Yeah, okay. Dad, the part where I'm asleep is the best part of the show that is not me. But you're the one sleeping. <sighs> Dad, I like to sleep during the show. That is what I'm trying to say. Fine. You, he, this escape, he likes to sleep during the show. He doesn't contribute to the show very much because he sleeps. That's not what I said. That's not how I said it either. But that's basically what you meant. All right, well, let me bring in somebody who actually does contribute something to the show. Mr. Rory Sinjin. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you, Rory. Uh, you know Scapey, of course. Hello, Rory. Yes, of course, I know Scapey. It hasn't been that long since the show's been on. I know, but it feels like it's been a really long time. Six weeks. That's over a month. I know, and it's terrible that you would do that. I mean, I've been ready to do a show at all times. All right, yeah, all right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm sorry. It's my fault, and we'll get to that in a second, but I wanted to talk to you. So, uh, it's now the second semester of the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies. Uh, how is... How is that going? Excellent. You know, our recruits have been very good and very diligent, you know, very hardworking in their research into extra history. Um, I, I know at one point I said I would have people from the Queen's Institute do uh, my, my Where Are They Now in History reports for me. But the fact is, I've decided not to focus on that for now. I'm hoping that it can get to there, but I want them to, to start with their core studies. I, I just, I don't want to distract them from the, the essence of the extra history by putting them on the radio, you know, before it's time. But I think I, I will get there at some point. So hopefully in the future, we can do a This Day in History, Where Are They Now in History, from some of my students. But again, for now, I'm just waiting. Sure. No, that goes without saying. That goes without saying. So so basically what I'm asking is, is everything all right with you? Yes, everything's fine with me. All right. So everything's fine with Scapey. Everything's fine with Rory. Uh, he, he, oh, and uh, Frank Allen. We don't know where Frank Allen is. He's still missing. I, if you haven't listened to the podcast in a while, then you probably listened to the last episode. But if you haven't listened to the podcast even a while before that... Um, he's still missing. I don't know what happened to him. He just left in the middle of an episode. Hopefully, we'll find out where he is. If you've heard anything about him, uh, please get in touch with us. Our, our email here is castinwax at gmail.com. Um, but at any rate, before we get into that, no, let's talk about me. Uh, I'm not so great, okay? Things are not going so great. That's why it's been so long. I'm having a rough time. I'm I'm really aggravated. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he, he's like real pissed off all the time. He comes home and he's like... I don't ever make that noise. I don't ever make that noise. Yeah, but that's like a sound of, of aggravation. I don't do that. I don't, I don't make any of those noises. What I do is I complain because I'm pissed off. Okay. First, let's start with uh, one thing that is good that has been taking up my time. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast, although it's been a while. I can't remember. I moved to a different office at work. I no longer work in the Hulk office at Marvel Comics. I work in the X-Men office. That's great. 
and I get to work on the Deadpool comic, which I love. So that that's uh, that's really terrific. Uh, but that has, you know, it did take up some time. I had to adjust to that, which is especially difficult to do when I'm working on the market machine at the same time. Now, listen, I understand the market machine has nothing to do with my work at Marvel. Okay, it's a side project for the betterment of mankind, for the betterment of society. And and what happens? Uh, people constantly throwing up roadblocks in front of it. People, you know, oh, what about this problem? What about that problem? Well, that shows that then that there are problems with yeah, it. Well, there's problems with everything. But I've had this thing. We were supposed to turn this thing on January 1st. It's now March 28th, and we still haven't turned it on. What is going on? Well, you know? According to you, people are finding problems with no, it. No, that's not. No. It's not about finding problems with it. It's about people uh, pissing and moaning about, oh, you know, it's, is it going to do things the way I want it to be I'm, done? I'm pretty sure it's about finding problems with it because, you know, people are spotting that they don't understand how it's going to no, work. No, that's exactly right. They don't understand how it's going to work. They don't understand how it's going to work. Therefore, they demand answers. And it's like, no, don't demand answers. Just let me turn the stupid machine on. It will work. You'll see. You'll understand because it'll be happening. But they want to know beforehand. Oh, tell us. Make sure we understand. How is the machine going to take into account all of these factors? Well, we could program it. No, that's not enough. Listen. All right. Here's what I've done. Weeks and weeks and weeks later. Okay. All the problems from, you know, listen, I understand. From, from, from good people who are giving me problems. But they're, they're standing in the way of progress. And they just have to understand that. Here is what I have done. Okay. Me and my, my team. Because I put together a team working on this. Programmers, engineers. Okay. The government made up a list of all the problems that we had to address. We told them we could do it. But it was going to take a more powerful machine. A more powerful market machine. Now, that does mean a more expensive market machine, first of all. And it's going to need more energy. So, now we have a nuclear reactor hooked up to it. Because it needs that much devoted energy. Why? Because now, okay, in order to make this stupid device that will just tell us how much things should cost work, I have to put in all these different kinds of input. I have to make sure I've got it set up now because people are like, well, how's it going to take into account this? How's it going to take into account that? Fine. Now I have the market machine rigged up so that it can see everything that happens in the entire planet so that up to the point that the price is set, it can see all actions and take them all into account. This is an expensive thing to do. Okay. And I said a nuclear reactor. It's true. There is a nuclear reactor hooked to the actual device. There's a few other smaller nuclear reactors all around the world in order to provide the energy for all of the cameras and microphones. This is, do you understand how aggravating this bureaucracy is? Like, I just wanted a simple machine that tells you, you, I mean, you have no idea how frustrating this can be. Well, Jordan, I'm sorry, I just, I'm a little confused. You're saying that, okay, so now it's going to take into account all information when, when making the price for the thing? Yeah, it's gonna, it, it will have seen... Everything that went into the making of that thing, everything that went into the planning, it will have seen everything, okay? And it will have put a financial value on those things, and it will say, this is how much you can therefore charge. And it will see, it will see other parts of the world. It will see your potential market and see whether it thinks those people will need that thing. So it can even more accurately judge how many you're going to sell. Uh, And then it'll set the rate. I, I, we made this happen. This is going to work. But there's a slightly different problem there now, isn't there? No, there's no, that's the full, that's, no. I, we accounted for all the problems. We're making this thing work. I'm hoping by next week it'll be up. No, no, this, Jordan, there is a much bigger problem now. What? What could be a bigger problem? Well, the fact that it's invading everyone's privacy. No, do, no, it's not, it's not invade, no, it's not invading privacy. But it's cameras and microphones on everyone at all times. Yes. That is true, but it is not invading everyone's privacy because it's not keeping, well, I mean, obviously it's keeping a record in, in its own, you know, uh, 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 private memory at the time so that it can then factor that in. But it's not going to be using that for anything other than setting prices. It's not going to be like putting out a thing going, oh, you know, this person is cheating on their wife. This person is, you know, scamming people with nonsense. You know, this person is, it's not going to do that. It's just going to, it's going to factor it into the prices. That's all it's going to do. How can we know that? You know, being watched at all times. No, no, don't. Ooh, why do you have to focus on one stupid thing? Look, that is solving a problem that you guys presented to me. But it's causing, like I said, a much bigger problem. I don't want people watching me at all times. Why? What have you got to hide? Don't worry about it. It's not going to tell anybody. I'm not even going to be, I'm not going to be sitting there reading it, you know, going, oh, what is people doing? No, nobody's going to be doing that. It keeps all the information private inside of its own computation. Then how will we know it's functioning properly? Because we, te- come on. Because we test it, we're going to test it first. We, we've already run lots of simulations, and it accurately 
is setting prices for these things. Come on, Rory. Do you think I'm just going to flip a switch on something and turn it on without knowing it's going to work? It's going to work. It would have worked originally. But now it's a much, much, much more powerful artificial intelligent processor that is going to be doing the judgment on the fly as it sees you do things. Making sure that the prices that are set for everything are absolutely 100% fair and in line with all other prices. This is not a problem, okay? Well, no, Rory, no. There is no problem with this device. Don't even talk to me about privacy. I'm not, I'm telling you, no one's gonna look at the readouts. I just didn't, it doesn't sit right with me. All right, yeah, yeah, it doesn't sit right. It doesn't sit right with you, but look, don't worry about it, okay? Look, Rory. I know, I, listen, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking. What's that? You're thinking, I, you're, I know exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm an extra historian. I do this thing that Jordan doesn't even think is very valuable in the world. And therefore, I'm going to, my, my work is going to be devalued by the machine. Well, no, that's not what I was thinking. But that is also a good point that I do think about. Yes. Well, don't worry about it because it's not true. Listen, here's how it's going to work. First of all, as much as it pains me to say so, you've done a lot of training in extra history. I think that training is nonsense, but the machine's going to calculate whether or not it's nonsense based on, you know, the amount of time and effort that you've put in. I'm assuming it's a good amount of effort, right? Well, of course, yes, of course it is. Okay, good. So anyway, look, you're going to put in the effort. It's going to calculate it. You're going to be doing stuff for people. You're going to get money. Now, is it going to be less than you get right now? Maybe. But think about everything else. All the things you're going to buy with that money are not going to be inflated anymore. They're going to go down, too. They're going to... Everything is going to be exactly fair. And if you decide, after the machine is in effect, that doing extra history is not worth it, that, that you're not getting enough money for it, given the amount of effort you're having to expend, then you just change to a different job. Now, I know you're going to say, well, then there's going to be no extra historians. That's okay, first of all. But second of all, I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure it's going to be worth it. I'm sure you're going to be able to make a living off of scamming people the same way that you do now. I don't scam people. That's, ir that's irrelevant. Again, this machine is not going to be judging you about what you do. It's just going to be seeing what you do and putting a price on it, okay? Just putting a price on it. Don't worry about it. Well, I am worried about it. Well, it's not your decision. So don't worry about it. It's not your decision. I'm going to the UN again tomorrow. We are going to discuss this and we are going to find out. Hopefully, it will be activated by next week. Fingers crossed. You'll know. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a press release, but we'll talk about it in depth um, here next week behind the scenes. You know, you'll see from my point of view a little bit more. I mean, I'm sure I'll get interviewed, you know, when we go into effect. People will be like, oh, the hero of the world. Because, again, because I, um, because it's going to make everything better. But, look, this is okay. So, next week. Next week, we'll talk about it some more. Next week. All right. Uh, we've got uh, a piece of email. Uh, oh, big announcement. Big announcement. Again, I have been frustrated, and I'm saying next week, as though you already know. I have been frustrated. I've been very uh, working very hard all the time. Uh, I've also been working on this, this show, Science Girl Cinnamon. It's a bit too early to talk about too much, but I've been working on that, too. That being said, what I want to do is I want to go back to weekly shows. Ew, is that so? Yes. Scapey, did you hear that? Right. I want to go back to doing weekly episodes of this, so you can commit to that. Sure, I don't care. Yeah, whatever. Good. Now, I know, I know you're probably thinking, Jordan, you're not going to be able to follow through on this. I'm going to try to do slightly shorter shows. Hopefully the show you're downloading is not going to be an hour long. Hopefully this is going to be like a mm, 30 to 40 minute show. Fingers crossed. Um, as a result, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to probably do fewer serials in the middle, spread them, you know, throughout the month and um, all sorts of exciting things. I, I, I basically, I, I looked back at my, my massive episodes of the show and I said, I used to do one every week, every freaking week. Why can't I do that anymore? We're going to do our best to make it happen. And if I can't do a full episode, I'm going to do a really fast episode. I'm going to, basically, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to use the force of will. Same force of will that does the market machine. Well, yeah, okay, yes. Which, by the way, is going to be in effect by next week. Uh, yes, sure it is. It, it, it better be. Look, the, fine. The point is, hopefully I'm going to be back to every week, everybody. Uh, sorry to be aggravated. I'm trying to calm down a little bit. Uh, Rory, if you could read, I have a letter here from Charles Berman about the shows we're going to be hearing today. Can you read that, please? Yes, of course. Hey, Jordan. Uh, so I have to say, I really enjoyed the 100th episode's contents. The epilogues really all suited the shows they applied to, and it was very impressive and a rather nostalgic experience to hear all the old characters back in action again, especially Ralph. 
Somehow it seemed both surprising and appropriate what happened after each of the series. I was a little hurt by your comments about how you think I've been questioning the market machine too much. I was just trying to put it into action. I figure a thorough intellectual investigation couldn't come amiss. But maybe you're right, and the market machine wasn't such a good idea in the first place. I mean, I used to be the biggest proponent. Hell, I was the first person to trust my future to it, wasn't I? And what did it get me? Nothing. Nothing but a public excoriation on a popular podcast. Maybe I'll just see if I can acquire as much undeserved money as I can for doing as little work as possible, huh? What do you think of that? Anyway, here are some more radio serials. I hope everyone enjoys them. And I know you said you weren't the one who's doing it, but I want to use this public forum to ask whoever keeps sending me all these desperate letters about how they are on the run and in terrible danger to cool it. I get a lot of junk mail already, and these miserable pleas for my help all read the same and take up a lot of space in my mailbox. Charles. P.S. I also think Scapey's doing really well. In fact, he's doing so well at school that he deserves to slack off a little. Too much hard work can really stress you out. What do you think? Well, I'd like to answer these again. I like to do them in reverse order. How's Scape doing? Yeah, he's doing fine. He's doing real well. He slacks off all the time. Okay, he just talked about sleeping nonstop. That's not true. I work really hard. No, Scape. You just talked about sleeping all the time. The fact is, uh, he does slack off an awful lot of the time. And in fact, it's, what is it, March? How much work have you done on your, your, your thesis, Scape? Dad, that's not fair. That is totally fair. That is totally fair. You have this big thesis you're supposed to do. Have you done anything, any work on it? Have you written any of it? No, Dad, no. But I, I mean, I decided what it's going to be. Probably. Maybe. That's, so you have a probably maybe idea for it. That's all the work you've done. Yeah. All right. Well, what's the what's the idea? Well, okay. Look. So you know how I do scapey stories from a cat in the dark on the show? Yeah. I know. I Obviously, I created it. Well, yeah. But I make it awesome. So anyway, you know how I do that? So I was like, hey, what if I combined it with my rock? What if I did, like, scapey stories from rock? Or rocking stories from scapey? Or, you know what I'm saying? Com- combined it. No, I... What, no, what? So we're going to do a song? Scary song? No, I was thinking what I would do is I would have you read me a story, okay? Right. And then I would do, like, a rock musical version of it. An entire rock musical? Isn't that a bit much? Well, maybe, like, a short one. Like, uh, you know, like... 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. So you're going to write a rock musical. What? So what story did you want it to be? Well, uh, I was thinking uh, that maybe we could do Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu? Have you read it or do you know anything about no, it? No, but I know it's famous. I was thinking you could read it to me. And how long have you had this idea? Like a few weeks ago, I think. And you just haven't asked me to read it to you? Well, no, I figured uh, we would talk about it on the show. <laughs> And so, until then, I would just kind of keep sweeping like I was talking about. So, so Charles, you see what Scape... This is what I'm dealing with, what Scape me. He is a lazy bum. He is constantly slacking. I got A plus on my, on my skirt. But he con- even so, he's constantly slacking off. So, you know, fine. So, Scape, we'll talk about it. I'll read you Cthulhu, and we can talk about how it goes. Okay, that sounds good. Good, good. Um, all right, so Charles, uh, what else did you talk about? You talked about the miserable pleas for help. Again, it's not me. Listen, if you're sending pleas for help to Charles, you know, because you're on the run, I don't know why you would be sending them to Charles. I mean, no offense to Charles. I'm not saying he's not a good person to help people out. He's a very helpful guy in many ways. But, I mean, who are you that you're sending? You know what I mean? Like, I, it's weird. It's weird. And before that, you were talking about, oh, the market machine. Well, look, Charles. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel bad, and I'm glad that you're committed to the market machine. You're right. You're more committed to it than most people seem to be. Um, but that being said, you work. I mean, come on. You were giving me flack, man. You were giving me guff, you know, saying, oh, oh what about this? What about that? Just, you know, trust in it. Just trust it. It's going to work. I'm going to turn it on. It's going to work. Okay? It's going to work. So uh, we'll, we'll find out more next week. Uh, in Within the next week, I'm sure. Everybody will be experiencing it. They won't have to hear about it from me. Um, thank you for your kind words about the 100th episode. You're the only person who wrote in to say they liked the 100th episode, so I'm assuming everybody else hated it. Um, and all that effort was for nothing. So um, I'm glad you liked it. I liked it. But everybody else, I guess, thought it sucked. Which is a real bummer. Uh, anyway. Uh, Ralph. Yeah, Ralph was good. So speaking of the serials, let's get right to them. Uh, Charles sent me three serials. I'm only going to play two. Why? Well, for a couple of reasons. First of all, to save one so that I can do one next week in case in case they don't have any other serials for me. And second of all, because uh, Rory, as you know, does a thing called This Day in History and Where Are They Now in History. It's been six weeks 
since our last show, so he's got quite a bit of ground to cover, isn't that correct, Rory? Yes, it was quite an epic night of research, the night I did them, uh, but they are quite informative, and I think everyone will enjoy them very much. Um, so, you know, are we going to play mine first? No, 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 uh, we're going to start off with Slam Jackson, Adventurist, and we're going to move on to your segment, and then after that we will probably listen to Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten. Um, so... Everyone, sit back and enjoy these radio serials. Slam Jackson! Adventurist! By Daniel Schwartz. Episode 10, The Luftwaffle Ruffle Waffle Kerfuffle! Our story begins at the airport, where Slam Jackson, private investigator and famed adventurist... Hi. ...awaits the arrival of a friend from out of town. Okay, flight 217 arrives at gate 8 in... Wait, delayed? I'm sorry, sir. There seems to be something blocking that gate. Another plane? No. It looks more like a... Zeppelin... Wait, a what? A Zeppelin. An airship. I thought that's what you said. Without a free gate, Flight 217 won't be able to disembark. Hold on. This airship. Does it have a swastika on the tail? Let me check. Wow. Yeah, how did you know that? I'm a private investigator. I followed a hunch. A private... way. are you the famous adventurous land? No time right now, ma'am. I've got to sort this out. With the speed of a man in a hurry, that persistent paladin of pragmatism rushes to the gate, where he uses the secret knock of the mysterious marauders. The analytical mind of a trained detective deciphers the needed knock, and the door opens, bringing him face to face with his arch nemesis, Fräulein Gertrude von Ruffelwaffel. By Himmler's mustache, Slam Jackson. How have you learned the secret knock to enter my... Let's pretend I've already explained that. Okay. For me. Sure. Right this way. I'll take you to the dungeon. Gert. I'm in lounge. For coffee. Past legions of Nazi-garbed bikini babes, the fascist air pirate leads our hero, moving towards the lounge. Wow, you've cleaned up the place. After my defeat at your swarthy hands, cursed Glykhamensch, I was left with no choice but to redecorate. Do you want the cat? Oh, yes, please. Delightful! Drink up, Schweinhound! Ooh, is this hazelnut? Indeed. It's lovely. Thank you, handsome foe. So, what brings you to the pride of the Fourth Reich's Air Force? Well, I was hoping that you could move the Ruffle Waffle out of this gate. Move the Ruffle Waffle? Even your charming smile cannot rule the sky, Slam Jackson. Ladies, seize him! From all sides, the crew of the Ruffle Waffle surround Slam Jackson, placing their eager Aryan hands on his chiseled personage. I knew you were up to no good, Slam Jackson, trying to interfere with my plans. I shall chain you to the organ breaker, where your innards shall be squashed like grapes. <laughs> Darn it, Kurt, I just want to meet my friend. You have no friends here, despicable dudes. Then why did you come here? To get you to move. You're blocking the gate. What are your words meaning? I was instructed to dock at this gate by the air traffic controller. They did that? Flight 217 was supposed to be here. Those pigs! I shall rend them apart in the Ogobracher. That seems excessive. Silence, prisoner! Cast him from the Ruffle Waffle Luftwaffe F. Grudgingly, the minions of Fräulein Gertrude von Ruffelwaffel cast our hero from their zeppelin into the airport terminal. With the sound of the cannons priming, it moves away, leaving the gate clear. Minutes later... Slam, hey! Hey, hon, how's it going? Not bad. You eating lunch? Nah. What are you thinking? How do you feel about falafel? How will the falafel strike our hero? How long will his friend be in town? Will Fräulein Gertrude von Ruffelwaffel defeat the air traffic controller? Await in suitable humility as we draw ever closer to the next episode of Slam Jackson! Adventurist! In that episode of Slam Jackson Adventurist, the narrator was Mickey Weishner, Slam Jackson was Jaya Kunrat, 
The airline worker was Cheryl Casey, and Fräulein Gertrude von Roffelwaffel was Julia Kelly. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. I'm Rory Sinjin. Did you know that on February 21st, 1848, the Communist Manifesto, written by Karl Marx, with the assistance of Friedrich Engels, was published in London by a group of German-born revolutionary socialists known as the Communist League? Let's hear what it sounded like. I have it! I have the manifesto! I have it! I have it! All I have to do is run it across the road to the publishing house! Carl, come across the street. We need to see your manuscript before we can publish it. Well, darling, that was a lovely day at the theater, don't you think? I have to oh, look both ways first. It's so great that I'm distracted and can't look at the road. Darling, oh, there's somebody in the road. There's no time, Carl. There's no time to look both ways. Just cross the street. We need to see the manifesto. Darling, there's someone in the way. Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. Which did represent the death of the concept of communism all across the entire world. Socialists all over, born February 21st. This is WHRW Binghamton. But listen to this both ways before you decide. My name is Roy Sinjin and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And yes, Karl Marx did die that day. And yes, the Communist Manifesto was never published. But that did not completely squelch out the entire concept of communism. No, those who wanted to be communists continued to do so. But without a manifesto, they did not know exactly what communism should be. Because of Karl Marx's death, being hit by a car as he was, they thought that communism must have something to do with commuting because it had the same route. And so one of their basic tenets was to always make sure they looked both ways before crossing the street. And also to make sure that you're, you know, paying attention the road when you're driving, so you don't accidentally hit someone who didn't look both ways while crossing the street. But unfortunately, aside from that one good rule, the rest of the tenets of this version of communism were full of complete nonsense, things that they thought perhaps might have happened, or rumors that they had heard that Karl Marx had said once. So for example, they believed very adamantly that loose lips sink ships, and therefore they glued shut the mouths of any sailors on any communist vessels. In addition, they also founded the rumor that wine being made from grapes counts as a fruit serving in your diet, you know, things like that. And so while communism did not actually officially die with Karl Marx, perhaps it should have. Perhaps we'd be better off. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cass and Wax. Welcome to WHRW Binghamton's This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin. On February 28, 1993, agents from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms raid the Branch Davidian cult compound in Waco, Texas, prompting a gun battle in which four agents and six cult members are killed. Let's hear what it sounded like. Oh, if only I'd eaten an apple this morning. It's true, our cult lifestyle has left us woefully malnourished against the government. I, David Koresh, am the only (laughs) nourishment that you need. But you are so low in vitamin C. I have such scurvy. Feed off my blood, my children. Wait a minute. Uh, Wine's made from grapes. Doesn't that count as a fruit serving? Hey, I like where this is going. And unfortunately, because they didn't eat the proper uh, four to six servings of vegetables, and in fact did drink a lot of wine, the Branch Davidian cult members were too drunk to answer the door when the bureau knocked politely. You're listening to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't drink that Kool-Aid wine just yet. My name's Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cass and Wax. And it's true that the ATF and the Branch Davidians did have quite a showdown, but thankfully the FDA did come in just in time to settle the entire thing with only that small amount of life lost, not everyone present. The FDA came in and said to the Branch Davidians, don't you understand that wine is not, in fact, a serving of fruit and therefore does not substitute. You need to eat this. Here, have some spinach. And they all ate spinach, and they all became strong like Popeye, and they went right out into the yard and punched the ATF so hard that the ATF flew away. And the Branch Davidians said, now we will take over the world. But the FDA said, no, you've just learned an important lesson, that you have to eat this balanced diet. Don't use it for evil, use it for good. Learn a lesson from people in history. Look at the communists. The communists were down after the death of Karl Marx, they were very depressed. One might have even called it a Great Depression, but they came up with a slogan, don't be blue, be red, and they brought themselves back from the brink. That's what you, Branch Davidians, need to do. And they said, all right, and they did. They started an international campaign to make everyone eat better, and everyone, in fact, did eat better, and the world became a better place. So thank you, David Koresh, for teaching us that lesson. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Hello, my name's Rory Sinjin. You're listening to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Back on March 7, 1932, the Communist Party of America organized a March on Hunger, a procession which traveled from downtown Detroit to the Ford Motor Company's River Rouge plant in order to protest the company's labor record, marching through freezing cold weather and being doused with fire hoses. Let's hear what they have to say. I, uh... 
I think we should march, but I'm just not feeling it today. I can't bring it up, man. This is just depressing me. All these fire hoses and so our wages and cold. everything. Too cold to stop marching. Too cold to keep marching. So confused. I don't think it's the uh, starvation <laughs> and the chronic unemployment that's the problem. I think the problem is our underlying depression. Depression is the problem. Not President Hoover. The fire hoses are working. Open them up, lads. <laughs> And so the Communist Party did make depression its cornerstone, uh, which led to the famous chant, Don't be blue, be red. This is WHRW Binghamton. But don't commit suicide just yet. My name's Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gas and Wax. And you're probably wondering why all of those people were so depressed. It's because the American government was secretly using government agents to make the workers of America depressed. That's right, America had a super secret line of secret agents codenamed Bond, who for over a hundred years had been doing the most top secret work of the American government. And in this era when the stirrings of communism started to rear their ugly head, the government asked Agent Bond to turn his spy trickery on the American people themselves. And what trickery it was. He would put glue in locks. He would put signs on their backs that said kick me. One time, he lit poop on fire in a bag and left it on a doorstep. This man knew no bounds. But the American people did not even know he existed. And the fact is that whether your depression is caused by a secret agent or just something that occurs naturally, it is definitely something that you need to look into. So, that is why the communists were able to come along, use their magical slogan, don't be blue, be red, get people to look into their depression and deal with it in a serious way. I know it made it sound like they just used to get elected, but they also got people, you know, to feel better about themselves. So, let's hear it for communism, shall we? My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? on Cast and Wax. Thank you for listening to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin. On March 14, 1812, with scrounging up resources for what would become the War of 1812 proving difficult, legislators heeded President James Madison's plea and approved the issue of the very first war bond, worth some $11 million. Let's hear what it sounded like. These liberals aren't willing to accept tax raises so that we can fund our war against terrorists and Englishmen. You're listening to The Madison Factor on Fox. Daddy, my eyes hurt. I'll help you. Name's Bond. War Bond. Now look at you. You're exposing yourself to dangerous radiation. Move away from that luminous phosphorescent screen. But I don't want to. Don't you know that the vacuum tubes inside that television will damage your eyes and fry your brain while I help this country defeat the British invaders? Really? Join the army. Don't watch television. Stay away from the radioactive danger. And the first American secret agent, War Bond did help them win the War of 1812, which is how America annexed England. Because they weren't sitting close to their televisions anymore, this is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't change the channel just yet. My name's Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cass and Wax. And I want to give you a bit of clarification here. In your world, it turns out that the idea that sitting too close to the television will hurt your eyes is, in fact, an old wives' tale. It seems to be based on the idea that the original television sets would give off x-rays, and sitting too close to them was actually detrimental to your health. But nowadays, that's not a problem anymore. However, in the world of this This Day in History, Televisions are extremely dangerous, especially to children, because it turns out that television was a plot of the Pope in one of his many unceasing schemes to kill and eat all of the children. Televisions were in fact specially designed in order to hone in on young child brains and boil them up from the inside. Once the brain was fully cooked, the child would appear to be in some sort of vegetative state. After this began happening to many, many children, the Catholic Church would say the only way to cure it was to get them directly blessed by the Pope. The children would be sent to the Vatican sent into the special Pope blessing room and never be seen again. The parents would be told that they were fully cured but had devoted themselves to the church. Really what was happening was the Pope was killing and eating them, of course. My name's Roy Sinjin and this is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Carson Wax. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin. On March 21st, 1678, the London Gazette offers a reward to anyone revealing the author of a pamphlet called An Account of the Growth of Popery. The pamphlet, it was later revealed, had been published anonymously by Andrew Marvell. Popery smells delicious. This is terrible. Wife! Yes? I've had through with this confounded popery. Quickly, put it in the fire. Make me some toast. All right, dear. Let me take it to the oven. Royal edict be damned. I'm hungry! All right. I'm just going to have to rush this quickly. Mama, Mama, I want jam. What is it? I have to go. I have to go to the bathroom quickly. I'm just going to leave this on the stove for a while. Ooh, toy and shiny. Ooh. Ah! What happened? No, oh, no. Our child Mom. is hideously scalded. The Pope is to blame. I kill your child. I cook him for dinner. If only England had listened to the Pope's decree to turn pot handles inward towards the stove so children 
didn't get scalded and caught on fire. This never would have happened. This is This Day in History on WHRW, Binghamton. But don't uh, stop uh, listening uh, yet. My name's Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gas and Wax. And most people don't realize this, but the Pope is in fact quite a tragic figure. As we all know, he does need to kill and eat children in order to maintain his Pope powers. But the fact is that many of the Popes that we've had throughout the years have not wanted to do this, but been forced to do this. That is why the Pope at the time of this day in history had made a decree to try to stop children from getting scalded by pans, even though he knew that if they did get scalded by pans, he'd be able to cook and eat them. Other Popes have rebelled against their Pope nature throughout history. In fact, there was one who came up with the idea that it would be best to introduce birth control to the masses because if he was able to stop people from having children, he would not then kill and eat those children. It would be better for those children to never exist than to die in a terrible way like being eaten by the Pope. Some have disagreed with this. Others have said it was incredibly true, which is why we should all help out the Pope by keeping our pans turned inward so that our children cannot be scalded and will not get eaten by the Pope. That means the Pope will die, which just might be what he Wants. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On March 28, 1979, at 4 a.m., the worst accident in the history of the U.S. nuclear power industry begins when a pressure valve in the Unit 2 reactor at Three Mile Island fails to close. Cooling water, contaminated with radiation, drained from the open valve into adjoining buildings, and the core began to dangerously overheat. Oh no, we're about to die! Darling, darling, I have something to tell you. What is it, darling? I I, I know that we didn't plan this, but I... What, I'm dying? Pre- no, we didn't. Planned the baby, but I'm pregnant. Well, the baby's about to die, too! Don't you want to know how I got pregnant? How'd you get pregnant? Well, I, I think Please I do, us. though, actually. Well, I, I was on birth control, but when I took those antibiotics, you know, three months ago for my cold... Oh, no. Now you're going the- to die with a cold... And a baby. It made the birth control not work. What should we name him? John. John. Does that matter now? We're about to die. Oh, no, you're right. Ah! If only they had realized that taking antibiotics with birth control did negate the birth control, only two people would have died that day instead of three. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And the fact is that Three Mile Island was the beginning of the end for the world. Because that woman didn't realize that her antibiotics would interfere with her birth control, she had a little baby growing in her when she died. And this set off the Pope's baby-eating instincts. He went to Three Mile Island to seek out that unborn child, along with any other children, of course, that had died there. The communists, who of course by this point had taken over America, did not take kindly to the Pope in encroaching on their territory, and it began the Third World War, which of course took place between communists and Catholics. It was a war that raged on for many years, until after the siege of Waco, the Branch Davidians came in and told everyone that they should eat properly. No one had ever told the Pope before that eating children is not part of a balanced diet, and that children don't count as servings of fruits and vegetables, but once he heard this, he immediately swore off eating children. Unfortunately, the communists did not realize that the Pope had changed his ways and bombed the entire world, figuring that it would be better for everyone to die than for some some people to get eaten by the Pope. So make sure that when you're on birth control, you realize that antibiotics can interfere with them functioning properly. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten by Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, and Daniel Schwartz. Episode 5, Treats Trouble Nathan Van Etten. In the vast world of foodstuffs, few are so cold and fewer still so dairy as ice cream. What better accompaniment to the placid repose of a warm summer evening than a glistening cup of butter pecan? It engenders warm hearts, genial minds, and achy frozen brains. There is no better accessory to conversation, no better lubrication to grease the wheels of friendship and encourage the bonhomie that ice cream can bring on a warm day. Friendship. How two people interact when they enjoy each other's company. One person who has never combined this with ice cream is Nathan Van Etten. Oh, head voice, you are here too! Always, Nathan. How's it hanging? Oh, right-ish. How's it hanging with you? Very well, Nathan. 
I can't help but notice you're loitering outside the Tasty Freeze. Loitering is one of the many ways to pass the time in one location, for it is never surer that time will pass than when you wait around. Oh, but I had no intention of waiting around, unseen manifestation of mine. But it is here that Ivana works. So it is here I must inspire my own courage to go. Hey, Nathan, who are you talking to? Oh, Jane, my girlfriend. <gasps> you call me your girlfriend? Naturally, of all my friends, you are the girl. But oh my, what brings you here? I heard you mention when you entered the mall that you would be stopping by the Tasty Freeze. So of course I came. I didn't see you when I entered the mall. I'm a good hider. How proficient you must be. You must have levels of rogue. Oh, I don't wear that. It doesn't flatter my eyes. I can always count on you, Jane. Oh, Nathan. To completely confuse me. So why are you dressed like a cheerleader? I just came from practice. You were practicing for a costume party? No, silly. We've got the big sports game on Friday. Wait, you're an actual cheerleader? Yep. Do you like our uniform? I designed it myself. A cheerleader is talking to me! Quickly hide your face! I will lose my cred! Um, okay. Let me just use this back. So, why are we waiting together outside the ice cream shop? There are words I must speak, Jane! Words my heart has concealed with the spell deeper darkness for too long! Nathan, tell me! Unburden your heart! That is what I plan, for it is from the heart that these words come! But Nathan, what are these words? Those words are, Oh my darling! How have I loved you these many years! Oh my! But Nathan, we've only known each other for 8 months, 12 days, 2 hours, and 16 minutes! Yeah, I guess you're right. Anyway, the rest goes, From afar I have watched you! Each beat of my heart like the pounding surf of the elemental plane of water as I am enthralled by your beauty, wit, and charm. <clears throat> Every breath I draw in your presence is sweeter than those I draw out of it. I would rend the earth asunder like a slice of fluffy good wonder bread if only you would be mine. Nathan, I... this... Oh crap, here she comes. What? Ow, my nose! Canute Meg, take it! I am bleeding from the face. Those words were meant for her. My giant man t-shirt is ruined. His heart belongs to another. The pain is extreme like Doritos. I must redouble my efforts to win his poet's soul. I do not know what you speak of, baghead lady, but it describes my feelings to a T. Let's go inside so I don't bleed on the outdoors. Um, may I have something cold to staunch this bleeding? Here is some ice cream! Why are you talking like that? Why are you talking like that? Whatever, give me the ice cream! Vanilla! Enjoy! Thank you, loud man. Here, Nathan, I have some gauze for my first aid course. Let me fix you up. This ice cream is delicious! So milky! There we go, Nathan. I'll stop by your place later to make sure it's healing, okay? How do you know where I live? It's where your mail goes. True, but not reassuring. I guess I will see you later. It's a date. Every day is. Bye. Bye. There are few things that wound the human body so much as physical damage. For without pain, how would we know when we were hurt? How intense the sensation we hey, feel. Hey, I've learned something important from this. Nathan, I was on a roll. Well, tough. I've learned that ice cream stores are dangerous places. Flying doors, yelling man, and now strange feelings in my stomach. I will be in the bathroom. And, as Nathan Van Etten goes to the egress of all comestibles, we are reminded of the foibles of the heart. For when the heart is silent, the intestines can be better heard. Perhaps you shall leave something of your own before joining us again for another lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten. In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, the narrator was Jack Coonrad, Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Weishner, Jane was Erin Morrissey, and Ivana Van Doren was Julia Kelly. Thank you very much, and thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the uh, radio serials. And I want to give a big thank you again to our good friends uh, up in Binghamton who produce these serials. You guys do a great job on them. I enjoy listening to them. Uh, these 
episodes particularly were very good. Poor Nathan Van Etten. He's an idiot. Uh, and I, I wanted him to go out with that poor girl, Jane. Because she was, you know, nice. And she shouldn't like him. He's a jerk. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Is Sam Jackson gay? Is that what just happened at the end of that? Well, we'll find out. Okay. Speaking of Sam Jackson, and um, not speaking of his, his personal life, uh, I probably shouldn't have mentioned that, in fact. I got an email from Slam Jackson. Um, I'll read it. Uh, I'll read it, Rory, because um, you read the last one. Dear Mr. White, I've been contacted by a number of people asking if I have been investigating the disappearance of a Mr. Frank Allen. They've mainly reported hearing about his disappearance from your website. At the moment, I'm not investigating Mr. Allen's case. I was just writing in to ask if you could explain to people that go on your site, that investigative work is a business, and I can't take up a particular case until I've drawn up a contract with a client. I have very reasonable rates and can be found in the yellow pages in case any of these people is interested in my services. Thank you, Slam Jackson, private investigator. Now, I assume that by next week, since the um, market machine will be activated, that Slam's rates will, uh, you know, be, be very fair at that point, and they will be Probably, I mean, I would imagine within a range that someone making a, a meager uh, assistant editor's wage would make. Um, and in fact, once they go into effect, once the market machine goes into effect, I'll be getting money from the UN for my contribution to society. Not, not like it's a scam, not like it's a scam, but just kind of paying me back for all of the money I've been investing in this machine. So I will have a little bit more income. Unfortunately, right now I don't. Um... Which um, was making me wonder uh, about... Because uh, I would love to know where Frank Allen is, and I would really want to hire him, Mr. Uh, Slam Jackson, that is. But I don't have the money right now, so I was thinking maybe somebody else who cared about Frank would want to do that. Do you know what I mean? I hope you're not talking about me. Well, yeah, I mean, he was your... You were living with him at the time of his disappearance? Yes, and it's much nicer around my house without him around. Yes, but don't you want to know where he is? Listen, Rory, come on. Your your institute's doing really well. Yes, but apparently your market machine's going to make everything I do worth less money. I should save what I've got. No, Rory, no. No, because... No, that's... I mean, sure, yes. But no, don't think of it that way, is what I'm saying, because Frank is a friend of ours, and we should know... He made the show better, didn't he? No, all he would do is insult me. That's not all he would do. He would also contribute to things. He had a, you know, he had a gruff voice, and he was kind of charming and lovable in his own way. Come on, will you please? I can't believe you're forcing me into doing this. I'm not actually forcing you. I'm just strongly suggest. Come on, just look. He's somebody that we care about. Isn't it worth a little bit of money to pay to Slam Jackson? Well, frankly, no. Come on. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, fine. Look, fine. Slam Jackson, I would like to hire you to find where Mr. Frank Allen has gone. Thank you, Rory. Thank you. Um, so, Slam, set that up with Rory if you can. I mean, I imagine you just can set it up with him off the air. You don't have to... We don't have to do that on the air. Do you have his number, Rory? Yes, I'll call him. That's fine. You better. Listen, you better. I will. Good, 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 good. Okay, so that... Uh, but here's the thing. That's, I think, the only piece of email I got. You know, I, 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 I did that whole 100th episode. It took a long time to do, but it was a lot of hard work, and only one person liked it. That's a real bummer. I guess I'll never do anything like that again. That's for sure. Jordan, that's not true. People just have busy lives. Come on. What do you mean? Well, people just, they have busy lives, so they don't spend their time going, oh, should I write into this ridiculous show? No, they just enjoy them on their own, and then they don't write in. Well, yeah, but we have all this time at the end of the show to, for people to write into, and nobody ever does. Are you, are you whining about it? Well, yeah. Well, you should stop. Well, I want people to write in. Look, okay, everybody, you can write in to me at castandwax at gmail.com. Come on, castandwax at gmail.com. Only Charles writing in and, and, and Slam Jackson only because people are bugging him. He didn't even listen to the show, and he's on it. Come on. God, aren't you forgetting something? What? It's time for me to do a song. No, Skip, we haven't done that in ages. Yeah, I know, but I think it's about time, don't you think?
thank you, Scapey. Just go to sleep. Fine. Okay, good. I'm gonna. Good, good. So, um, all right, we're gonna close out the show with my most recent episode uh, of or, uh, episode, most re- recent installment of Ukulele is for Covers. Oh, come on. And there's so we have. I did. A, I did one of uh, Peaches and Crime, and nobody even wrote in to say it was good. Well, hopefully, you all thought it was good. This one is. Uh, a request uh, that was by Mr. Charles Berman, speaking of the only person who ever writes into our show. Um, he requested Cake or Kanye West. At first I thought, well, I'll do Cake because, you know, they're okay. I know uh, two of their songs. But then I said, wait, it'd be much more challenging to do a Kanye West song. Why don't I do that? And I did. This is it. It's called All of the Lights. And until then, I will be seeing you. All of the Lights. Want you to see everything, want you to see all of the lights Fast cars, shooting stars, all of the lights, all of the lights Until it's Vegas, everywhere we are, all of the lights If you want it, you can get it for the rest of your life If you want it, you can get it for the rest of your life Something wrong, I hold my head, MJ gone, a ninja dead I slapped my girl, she caught the feds I did that time, and spent that bread I'm heading home I'm almost there, I'm on my way, heading up the stairs To my surprise, the ninja replacing me I had to take him to Ninjutsu University Cop lights, flashlights, spotlights, strobe lights, street lights All of the lights, all of the lights Fast life, drug life, thug life, rock life, every night All of the lights Turn up the lights in here, baby Extra bright, I want y'all to see this Turn up the lights in here, baby You know what I need, I want you to see everything I want you to see all of the lights Straining on can't see my daughter, her mother, brother, grandmother hit me in that order. Public visitation, we met at Thoughters, told her she'd take me back. I've been more supportive, I made mistakes. I bumped my head, God sucked me dry, I spent that bread. She needed daddy, baby please, can't let her grow up in Ninjutsu University. Cop lights, flashlights, spotlights, strobe lights, street lights. All of the lights, all of the lights. Fast life, drug life, thug life, rock life, every night. All of the lights. Turn up the lights in here, baby. Extra bright, I want y'all to see this. Want you to see everything, want you to see all of the lights. Get mine, baby. Gotta let these ninjas know, yeah. Get it right, hey. You sure will get your own. Get mine, baby. Gotta let these ninjas know, yeah. Get it right, hey. You should go and get your own. Unemployment line, credit card decline. Did I not mention I was about to lose my mind? And also was about to do that line. Okay, okay, you know we going all the way this time. 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 Oh, 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 oh. I tried to tell you, but all I could say is oh. oh, 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 oh. I tried to tell you, but all I could say is oh. oh, 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 oh. I tried to tell you, but all I could say is oh. oh, 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 oh.